Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The secret to visibly firmer, summer-ready skin is here. Osea's number one best-selling Andaria Algae Body Oil. Clinically proven to instantly improve skin elasticity and transform dull, dry skin to silky, soft, and unbelievably glowing. Rich yet never greasy, Andaria Algae Body Oil is formulated with sustainably sourced seaweed to help replenish the skin's moisture barrier and seven nourishing active botanical oils for results you can see and feel all over. The best part? It's signature scent. A blend of freshly squeezed grapefruit, cypress, and mango mandarin transports you to sun-kissed summer days. This all-natural scent is unforgettable. Everything Osea makes is clean, vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Get healthy, glowing skin for summer with clean, vegan skincare from Osea. Get 10% off your first order site-wide with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A Malibu.com code GLOW. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Hoping we're finding everybody in a good form. It's hard to believe this day next week will be Good Friday. Lent seems to have gone uh, in the blink of an eye. You're welcome along to the programme today. John Paul is taking your calls at 1850-333-103. Anything you want to share with us, please give us a call. Text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. And I'm going to start by thanking everybody who turned up to the table quiz that I was involved with last night. Um, the This was the table quiz. We, it was held in Mona's Bar in uh, Mallow and a huge thank you to everybody who got involved, the people behind the scenes putting a table quiz together. There's a lot of work uh, goes into it. I can, I can tell you and thanks to the staff of Mona's Bar uh, for allowing us the venue to have the quiz but more importantly thank you to all of the people t- that turned up and their fun nights out as well it uh, really is terrific and there was fantastic spot prizes thank you to people who donated all of those spot prizes and we raised over 15 100 euro was raised from our night out last night which is fantastic and that's the money we will take with us when we're heading there's a group of us six ladies heading to Belarus on the May bank holiday weekend we head out on the 2nd of May and uh, we're going to hook up with children who had been in the North Cork area would have come as children from an orphanage in their younger days and they're now adults with children of their own so we're going to meet up with them. I'm also going to connect with and find some of the children that were in Marsha, my daughter's orphanage. They again are young adults. I've managed to track down some of them. They've moved to an adult institution so we're going to go see them. Also hoping to get into one of the baby homes. I'm particularly interested in going to one of the baby homes because it will be 20 years since I first visited one of those baby homes and baby homes are for from newborn right up to the age of four and then they move on uh, to uh, different institutions. So I'm hoping that I'm going to see improvements. I really am hoping I'm going to see improvements. But the whole idea of us doing a bit of fundraising heading out is to bring the money with us so that when we come across particularly some of the families that don't get a lot of aid and a lot of support that we will be able to help them out. And as I was saying last night at the table quiz, a little goes a long way in Belarus. You know, what you would get for 
the, for example, the money that was raised uh, last night, uh, 1,500 euro, you'd probably get four times the amount of what you would spend it on here. You'd get in goods and services in Belarus. So that money, we will really spread that money out. I promise you that. And a very, one of my listeners, we've just such fantastic listeners to this programme. There, There's no name on this. There's no full address except it says Skibbereen. And it says, good morning, Patricia. Just a few euro for the kids in Belarus. Keep up the good work. Skib is signed. And somebody, a lady or a gentleman, I'm unsure, has sent on 50 euro. So I just want to acknowledge that that arrived safe and sound. And thank you. That's a really, really generous act. And I promise you that money will be really well spent. Uh, So just to acknowledge a receipt of that. So once again, thanks to everybody who turned up last night. It was a fun, fab night out. Now, John Paul is taking your calls if there's anything you want to talk to us about this morning. Some of the topics that we are going to be addressing. We are going to get reaction to the cancer report that came out this year, which is predicting there will be a 50% increase in the number of patients diagnosed with cancer in the next 25 uh, years. In many ways, when you see a report like this, I mean, it's frightening when you see a report like this, but then when you step back, you think, okay, this is the information, this is the information that the government need, that the Department of Health need, that the HSE needs, that all of the hospitals need. They, they, they now know that in 10 years, 15 years, 20 and 25 years, this is how many additional cases of cancer we can expect to see. So therefore, you put the planning in place, don't you? If you need to have more radiographers, put them in place. If we need to have more access to chemotherapy, put it in place. If we need to have more access to operations, surgery times, recovery in in hospitals will mean more bed, put the planning in place. Don't sort of wake up in 25 years time and say oh nobody told me yes you have been told the information is here so we're going to chat about that on the programme uh, today a Belfast couple who decided to buy themselves a castle this story absolutely intrigues me they're a Belfast couple the Wilsons who have been living in the United Kingdom for quite some time and they've made quite an amount of money uh, in the United Kingdom. So they decided they wanted to buy an Irish castle. So they bought the Bell Valley Tower House. It's called a tower house, but it's it's a castle. It looks like a castle uh, in Cove. It was a ruin, basically. When they bought it, there was a tree actually growing out of the top of the tower. <laughs> you moved in straight away then, did you? So obviously the work then uh, began. Now they've turned it into a TV programme that's going to air on Sunday night. It's a you know, revival of an, of an Irish house. And Hugh Wallace, who is well known, uh, he's an architect, but he's, he's well known to us as one of the judges um, House of the Year. He presents the programme. And I, I can't wait to see. I've, I've, heard, I've seen some, I've had a sneak preview of some of the finished photographs from this restoration of this castle. And it just looks stunning. Now, I wonder what kind of problems did they come up against? I mean, where do you even begin with the ruin of a building? I mean, the first thing I would think of is, God, it must be hard to heat. It would be freezing cold. And then the other thing I would imagine when you get a structure like that, 
you'd be thinking it'd be very dark inside, wouldn't you? So lighting, obviously, is going to be very important. Anyway, there are all the kind of things we're going to talk with Hugh Wallace about Bell Valley Tower House in advance of the programme going out on uh, Sunday night. We will be speaking with one of the pupils from the Patrician Academy in Mallow. People in the Mallow area will know, and others may remember, that nearly three years ago now, there was a devastating fire at the Patrician Academy in Mallow. Now, it happened in the summer, thankfully. So it didn't in it didn't interrupt class in the sense that in September the school reopened. But it has interrupted class in that the the number of classrooms that are completely destroyed no of no longer of use no no longer can be used by the pupils. So alternative locations around the town of Mallow had to be sought for the pupils. That's not very conducive to study if you're getting on a bus in the morning and you're heading off to a GAA uh, club. Now you're heading to the Irish Wheelchair Association. They they used their premises. I think a primary school at the Muse, some of their, their classrooms. Just not the ideal. If you're trying to get in, knuckle down and get your work done. I mean, the exam students must be particularly hard on them. Anyway, the Student Council decided that they'd write to the Minister for Education and I just thought, well done. So we're going to chat with them about what they have asked of the Minister and and also what it has been like for the last three years to be living in a school where half of it was burnt uh, to the ground. So we'll talk about that. And I just love to see young people get involved in campaigns. And we, we were talking about young people only a number of weeks ago on the Friday protest when they downed tools and they went out and it was it wasn't um, just here in Cork. It was all over the country and it wasn't just all over the country. It was all over the world. And it was wonderful to see uh, young people getting excited and getting interested and getting angry about the the environment uh, in particular, knowing that it's their future is at risk. And like these, this is the young generation. These are our future politicians, for example. These are our future decision makers. They're our future doctors and teachers and educators. Uh, And, you know, so it's great at a young age to see them get active and to get engaged in issues that are affecting them now and will affect them into the future. So I like the idea of the pupils here standing up to the minister and saying, look, look at us. Have you forgotten us? You know, we're a school in Mallow. We deserve to have our building restored. So uh, well done. And then we'll speak with Dr. Susan Crawford. Uh, Susan is a lecturer in UCC. And she is embarking or has embarked, she's already started this, on a challenge that is going to see her walk slash run the entire Wild Atlantic Way, which is two and a half thousand kilometres. Now, she's out this weekend doing sections down into, I think it's Glengarriff, down into Castletown Bear. And then I think she goes Castletown Bear uh, to Ken Mayer. She started this at the end of March. So she's two, three weeks into it at this stage. And she's at the end of the Cork leg. This weekend is the last part of the Cork leg of the Wild Atlantic Way. And then she'll take off and uh, do the rest of the leg. She's obviously heading to Kerry next and then she'll work, wind her way uh, back up the country. And she's doing it to raise awareness for autism and what she talks about being autism active. So we'll talk with her on the programme today. And it is Friday. So Mark Malone uh, will join us um, and he'll give us some suggestions if you want to go to the movies this weekend. And a piece that we've picked up on from a Facebook page, the, I think this is the Ladies Bridge Tidy Towns group. 
And I'll I'll read the post to you because it's kind of self-explanatory once I read it to you. It says, this evening some of us did a litter pick from the village car park out towards the Ladies' Bridge Loop entrance to what I can only call our absolute horror along the route, we counted no less than 13 mutt-mitt bags full of dog poo that have been deliberately thrown into the hedging. Some of this was so embedded and caught up in the briars that extracting them was really difficult. In a couple of cases, the bag split as we were trying to retrieve it, spraying its disgusting contents right into our direction. This is clearly a regular occurrence because we found 13 of these bags and may well be, may well be, the act of the same person. If so, and if you're reading this, we want you to know that this behaviour is disgusting, unhygienic and totally unacceptable. And then they sign off the end of the post with your dog, your problem, take it home in future. Ah, I just, and the, the mutt mitt bags they're the little plastic bags you put them on your hand don't you then you pick up the dog poo and then you fold the bag over so the dog poo doesn't end up on your hand and the idea is that you bring it home with you or you carry it with you until you get to the nearest dustbin or sometimes there's I don't know if they've got the dog bins you know these special bins for dog poo but if not you put them into into a bin where it'll end up in landfill but to go to the trouble of cleaning up after your dog, like it's obviously somebody saying, doing the right thing. If anybody sees me, look at me. I'm cleaning up after my dog. But then to toss it into the hedge, still in the plastic bag, so the bag won't even biodegrade. It just makes no sense at all to me. I would prefer to see the person pick up the dog poo and somehow get in under the ditch, put it in right in at the back, out of the bag. So at least it'll biodegrade, but it's not going to biodegrade inside in a plastic bag. That is just shocking. And as I say, it's somebody who, if you saw the person, you think they're being really civic minded and they probably make a big deal about picking it up, making sure somebody sees they're picking it up. And then when no one is looking, we'll shove it in there into the hedging. But to find 13 bags in a small area, I think they could be right. It it may well be the same person who's out every evening walking the same uh, route. So people need to keep an eye on each other as well. And if you see somebody cleaning up after their dog, make a point of saying, be sure to bring that home with you or be sure to wait until you find a bin. Please do not throw it into the hedging. For the for the really good civic-minded people of the Tidy Towns Committees who are out trying to clean up and get all the rubbish that's already stuck in the hedges and to make our areas nice and clean and, and tidy coming into the summer months, coming into the t- time of the Tidy Towns, judging will be up uh, next. But it's just... The mind boggles. Mary in Kilwa says, I live in a housing estate. This is to do with dog fouling. I live in a housing estate and following my bins being emptied recently, when I was bringing the bins back into the house, somebody had dumped a bag of dog poo into my bin. This is in a housing estate. So, so it's obviously one of your neighbours didn't want to put it in their own bin. But she, look, there's Mary's bin. We'll throw it in there instead. Goodness, goodness me. On scam calls, a gentleman was on today. He got a one of the scam calls Yesterday evening, it was the one from Air claiming that the broadband was going to be cut off. I think they say your broadband's been compromised. And he said, 
this caller said he was thrown a little bit because he was having problems accessing Google the night before and he thought oh dear God there must be something wrong with my broadband and air have picked up on it and he had just moved over to Sky Broadband and he was thinking maybe that was the reason maybe air had so, was, was trying to sort it out for him blah 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 anyway he was getting slightly stuck, sucked in but then he said he started quizzing the guy saying where 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 was he from and the guy said he was from air in Dublin so our caller said I started to press him on that and then he told me he was going to give me a security number and he kept going on about a security number anyway in the end I told him I can't understand what you're saying and then he our caller realised this is a scam so he hung up fairly quickly so he said just beware they are still out there and Jimmy and Copine was on to us about you know the people that go on the cataract buses the huge number of people that have gone from West Cork some have gone from the city we've had some go from North Cork people have gone from Kerry and they've been filling buses out of West Cork for the last year over a year now at this stage and people very successfully going up to Belfast to get their cataract operations and as everybody knows it's the it's a cross border uh, initiative health initiative whereby you pay up front you get your cataract done, you come home, you submit the paperwork and then the HSE will reimburse you for the cost of the operation. Now, they don't reimburse you for your travel costs and they don't reimburse you for your overnight accommodation. But the bulk of it, you do get reimbursed for, which is the actual operation uh, itself. And for it's about, I think for the cataract operation, it's about two and a half thousand. Am I right in saying that? Two and a half, three thousand euro. I think it's kind of around that much. And I appreciate that a number of elderly people may not have that kind of money. So local credit unions have been fantastic in offering type of a bridging loan whereby they loan the money to the person heading up to have the operation. The person has the operation and then when they get reimbursed from the HSC back into the credit union and the bill is paid off and it's, it's done as a bridging loan which is fantastic of the credit union to have stepped in and made that offer uh, to people who uh, need it. But Jimmy was on to us yesterday to say that he is aware of some people who are waiting what oh, I would say excessively long periods of time to get their money back when they come back from Belfast. He says, for example, and I'm going to say allegedly, because I'd need to talk to the lady to find out if it's true. Allegedly. He knows of a lady who's waiting for a refund for over a year, which I find really hard to believe. Now, I know we looked into this before, certainly probably around the summer of last year we got a couple of calls in from people saying that there was a delay with the payment and could we look into it and find out what was going on so we got onto the HSC and they said that they accepted there was a delay in the refund but for people not to worry they were going to get their money back but the problem was that they had so many people who were travelling to Belfast see they don't just travel from Cork they travel from all over the country and that they had had a increase in the number of people submitting all of the paperwork that you need to get the refunds. So there was a slight delay. They were trying to catch up with a backlog of refunds. But their message to us was to get it out to people. Don't worry, you will get your refund. So anyone who is caught up with that, that's waiting, that's, I would say, is the issue. But that wait, I would say, would run into months. I certainly have not heard of anyone who's waiting over a year. But Jimmy and Copine reckons he knows someone. So if there is anyone waiting over a year or if anyone has waited over a year to get the refund can you let us know please and I'm not by the way talking about people who don't submit the right paperwork I know we put a lot of work into 
a caller last year who hadn't been paid and was almost intimating that they weren't going to get paid and we looked into it and it turned out that this particular lady had submitted the wrong information and it was just, it was a complete mix-up. But anyway, we got it sorted and she did get her refund in the end. So, refunds on the cross-border initiative for the cataracts. I know you can get hips done, you can get your knees done, but in the main, it seems to be people are getting cataract operations done, as I say, very successfully and they're getting it done and it's avoiding them going blind, which is fantastic. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850-333-103. Now, the number of cancer patients in Ireland may double in the next 25 years if current rates continue into the future. That's according to the latest statistics from the National Cancer Registry. Joining me from the Irish Cancer Society is their CEO, Avril Power. Good morning to you, Avril. Morning, Patricia. And, and you're welcome to the programme. Now, while figures like this are very, very worrying when you see them in print, are reports like this important so that the Department of Health can plan for cancer patients into the future? Reports like this are really important, Patricia. Um, the National Cancer Registry is passed by government with estimating future patient numbers and needs in the cancer space precisely so that we can plan um, an increase like the doubling that they're predicting over the next 25 years obviously requires a huge increase in capacity both in physical space and hospital facilities and also in in personnel um you know it takes 10 years i guess to train 10 years minimum to train a consultant and oncologist um from medical school to to being qualified um, same with, you know, long lead-in period for recruiting nurses, radiotherapists, other professionals that work with cancer patients. And we're seeing that we're already, you know, the system's already struggling to recruit um, enough health professionals mm. at the minute. So that's why it's really important that action is taking ne- taken now. The Cancer Registry is predicted that numbers will double by 2045. Um, but of course, that won't just be, you know, it's not a doubling between 2044 and 2045. That's an increase every single year for the next 25 years. And that's largely, Patricia, because the Irish population overall is growing and because more of us are, are living longer. Cancer is primarily a disease that affects older, older people. Older people, yeah, um, yeah. So the longer that we live, you know, with all the great advances that have been made in medical science, we're all living so much longer. That means that more people will get cancer. The greater the chance you have of getting it. What type of cancers are we likely to see increases in, Avril? Um, well, it, they're looking at an overall, they're saying about a 100% increase. They're predicting that, you know, some cancers, thankfully, have come down in recent years. So, for example, we've seen big drops in the cervical cancer rates um, as a result of the of cervical check picking up um, abnormalities in women before they develop to become cancer. And we would expect very big drops in the coming years as a result of the HPV mm. vaccine. Um, other cancers where the individual risk is coming in will be, say, breast cancer, again, as a result of screening and increased awareness. Lung cancer in men because of people giving up smoking. smoking right, but then yeah. areas where we're seeing increased problems will be, I mean, alcohol-related cancers, um, still very high skin cancer. Um, Irish people not taking, not being aware of the risk, even from our limited sun. The rates of skin cancer are very high in Ireland. Um, and also obesity-related cancers. We don't yet know the full impact that we'll have there. We know that obesity increases the risk of many cancers. Um, it's become a big phenomenon, I suppose, particularly in the last 10, 15 years, and unless we get a handle on it, 
I'm particularly encouraged good health behaviours in young people, that could be a real crisis for the future. So, so a lot of those cancers are preventable? They are. Well, four out of ten cancers are preventable. Um, and that's why it's really important that people are empowered to make good decisions about about their own health. Um, because by you know eating sensibly, exercising more, watching your alcohol intake, not smoking, covering up in the sun, we each of us can dramatically reduce our risk of getting cancer. I mean, some cancers are you know no matter what you do, some cancers are are random, um, and we're all born with you know certain risk of of getting cancer, but forty percent of them. Are, are lifestyle related and that's why we do a lot of work in Irish Cancer Society around health promotion. We've great information on our website, cancer.ie. Um, we work in communities around the country to make people aware of these things and, and as I said, empower um, people to make good decisions for themselves and their families. And of course, we know early diagnosis is the key to a good a- outcome. So screening programmes are going to be now more important than ever, particularly with this information of a, a doubling of cancers. Yeah, ab- absolutely. And one of the things that we're highlighting this month is uh, bowel cancer, bowel cancer awareness month. And um, bowel screening, since it was introduced, has prevented, decimated 600 or 6,000 bowel cancers. But the uptake is still very low. Overall uptake is only 40%. Um, and that's a real shame because it's a very simple at-home test um, and people, you take a steel sample at home, send it off to be tested to see if there's any blood or indications of bowel cancer in, in your stills. Really simple and saves lives, but the uptake has been very low and that's why we're encouraging people this month. And do, do you, do you any, understanding, any understanding why it's so low? I think people, I mean, frankly, to be honest, I think people... I don't like the fact that it, I mean, it's a poo test. It means that you, you take yeah, a sample It's just the of nature poo. of what it is, but yeah. They, like, but the mild, you know, discomfort or embarrassment that people might have uh, in doing that is nothing compared to the yeah. impact that bowel cancer would have on your life. You know, and it's the same with, look, no, no woman likes going for a smear test. Yeah. But smear yeah. tests save lives. And it's really important that we get past any of these issues around embarrassment or discomfort. Um, because those small, you know, it takes five minutes to do a test um, and it really could save your life, you know, and screening is free. So that's why we always encourage people to take up those opportunities. OK, and, when and, we're sure t- they get screened. and while we're talking of screening, it would be remiss of me not to mention the delays in results for cervical check. I mean, only yesterday we've had a lot of our listeners contact us who are, you know, worried about their tests. We had somebody yesterday, yeah. eight months waiting on, on their uh, re- results. Um, are you concerned about that? We are, of course, and we've been raising this issue all along with governments. The need to increase capacity. I mean, the offer of a free test obviously meant that the number of women um, doing smear tests shot up dramatically. Um, and it's up to the government to put in place capacity to deal with that. It's very worrying for people when they're waiting a long time. You spend that time wondering if there's a problem. But what I would really stress to any of the women listening is that if you have, like, a smear test is for women who don't have any symptoms of, of cervical cancer. Um, if you ha- it's, it's there for a, te- it's a test for healthy women to pick up changes that are happening in your cervix before they become cancer. If you have any symptoms at all, um, you need to go talk to your doctor. There's things like irregular, irregular bleeding, pain or discomfort, having sex changes in 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 your body that are you know you know are unusual for you. You should talk to your doctor, and that way you know you've kind of skipped the smear test part. Mm. I suppose in terms of the weight. You talk to your doctor, they'll refer you for 
on a diagnostic test and actually have a have a look at your cervix and see what's going on. And that's really important that people aren't waiting for smear test results if they're actually having symptoms. Okay, all right. How did you think the last time we spoke with the Irish Cancer Society was um, a couple of weeks ago for Daffodil Day? It went well this year for you, did it? It did. There was a lot of rain on the day. Which yeah. Um, it's always worrying. We were particularly, and with a fair bit of rain in Cork, so we were particularly worried um, I've, during the kind of the afternoon, during lunchtime. Um, in Dublin, we had a lot of big events planned and it was very wet, so that affects our street sales. But people really rallied around with an increase in donations online a lot more brilliant well organizing indoor events here in year out so I just want to say a massive thank you to all of your listeners because we fundraise 98 percent we have to raise over 20 million euro a year for life-saving research and vital support for people affected by cancer and we genuinely couldn't do any of that or provide those services without the kind support of your listeners who come out for us year in year out to support people affected by cancer in their community. Oh, well done. Continue. You do great work. Continue. Um, good uh, Good luck to the Irish Cancer Society, Avril, and thank you for joining us on the programme this morning. Good morning to you. Uh, that is uh, Avril Power, CEO of the Irish Cancer Society. Court today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086 2103 And Alan has contacted the programme picking up on Avril Power of the Irish Cancer Society when we were talking about the fact that cancers will double in the next 25 years. And when I was asking her you know, why, you know, what's one of the reasons that we know they're going to double? And she said it's because of the ageing population. We're getting older and we know you the older you get the higher the chance you have of getting cancer that's not to say that every older person will get cancer but there is a higher chance of getting it as you get older Alan says can we not simply celebrate old age and just rejoice it always seems to be so downbeat when we talk about getting older in this country it always seems to we always seem to make it sound so negative in Japan he said they celebrate old age why can we not do the same here do we not I think we do celebrate old age I think we've got many wonderful organisations certainly that celebrate uh, old age I'd hate to think that we're always downbeat about getting old because it's one of those things we're all getting old we're all going to face it one day so you're right we do need to celebrate it and we do need to rejoice now we also in my chat with the Irish Cancer Society I brought up about Cervical Check and the fact that people are waiting crazy periods of time and of course one of the main reasons that there's such a backlog with the smear test through Cervical Check is because Simon Harris decided last year to offer every woman who was worried or concerned the chance of another free smear test and that of course got added to the list of people already getting their smears and there was no extra services put in place no extra labs put in place to test them and it's just made it I mean I think this week we hit a record when someone contacted us and said there are eight months waiting for it we thought when we spoke about it a couple of weeks ago we had women at seven weeks I remember I spoke with a woman who joined us she was seven months waiting for her test results but as I say yesterday we heard from somebody eight months it's got to be a record um, Mary and Mallow says hi Patricia I went to my GP in Mallow to have my smear test done and I was told at the GP surgery that if I pay 35 euro, I will have my test results in two weeks. What's that all about? Well, what that is all about there, obviously that GP practice has decided to go to a private lab and have your smear test read. 
And if you can afford to do it and you're anxious about maybe changes in your cervix, maybe in the past you've had irregular smears, I think it probably would be €35 well spent. Because we've we've certainly heard from women on this programme who are lying awake at night and said they would have loved the opportunity to have paid privately to get the result because it is head-wrecking waiting for the results to come via the the free cervical check. So I'm assuming that's what your doctor is doing. Your doctor is being a little bit proactive and is deciding to give patients the opportunity if they don't want to wait. Now for others they'll say no I'm not going to pay €35 I'll I'll take my free one. But I think as Avril Power explained you know cervical check is for women that are healthy without symptoms and it is to check to see going forward is there a chance is there any slight change in your cells and your cervix that would indicate that things could go wrong into the future that's what the screening project is all about but Mary and I I don't know your individual case but if you are someone who has had irregular smears in the past or are anxious in some way or perhaps your doctor is anxious in some way then yeah I think I would be paying that 35 uh, euro but you know it is completely up to the individual patient now I don't know if every GP practice is offering that by the way before people rush into their GP to say, can I have it done privately for €35? Because I'm assuming they have to set up some kind of an arrangement with a clinic and a lab in order to get that smear test read. So, you know, it's something if you want to speak with your local GP or maybe the the nurse in the GP practice, because certainly for the last number of years, it's the nurse in, in the practice where I go. That's who has been doing my smear. So if you want to have a chat there to see, that's if you are one of the, if you are worried and you would prefer to go uh, privately. Hi, Patricia. I live in Douglas and Douglas is one of the areas which is going to go from Cork County Council to Cork City Council. Will my vote be automatically transferred or should I, do I need to do something about it now? No, no, you don't need to do anything. They automatically, you'll get your polling card. Once you're on the register, check you're on the register and all of that. But once you're on the register, your polling card will arrive and just the only difference you will see on it is that you will be voting in the Cork City Council as opposed to the Cork County Council. I'm assuming some of the names might change. You might have, you know, different people that you can vote for that you wouldn't have been voting for previously. But yes, the Douglas Ward, isn't it? You're now going into it. But no, uh, you won't have to do anything else. And John Paul reckons it'll be the same polling stations and all of that. Nothing like nothing much like that uh, is going to change. But once you're on the register for elect, uh, electors, then you are registered to vote but now voting in the City Council. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. And we were talking with Avril Power, the last hour CEO of the Irish Cancer Society, and she was talking about the figures that have come out this week from the National Cancer Registry, showing there will be a doubling of cancer patients in 25 years, which isn't that very far away. And that led us then to talk about cervical check and the delays with cervical check. And then somebody contacted us to say when they went to their doctor, the GP practice in Mallow that she goes to, the, she was offered if she paid €35, Euro, she could privately have her smear test read. 
That's making the point. If you're anyway worried or concerned, rather than have to wait anything between six, seven, eight months for the result. And if you have the 35 euro, it might be 35 euro well spent. Well, Texter says, what if I don't have 35 euro? How degrading is that? Money talks. Uh, well, yeah, uh, I don't know if I don't know if you would say it's degrading. I think a, do- a GP practice saying to a woman, if you have 35 euro, you can go privately. You can just straight away say, no, I'm happy enough to go with the free one from uh, cervical check. But you're right when you say money talks. But that is, hasn't that always been the case in this country when it comes to private health care? We have had a two tiered health system since private health care was introduced and money does talk. If you, I mean, if you have money, you're not on a waiting list. You're not waiting to go see a consultant. You can, you know, within weeks, get an appointment to go see a consultant, get your diagnosis, get in and get your treatment. So, yes, you're correct when you say money talks, but that's not just about this going privately for your cervical check that's the way it's always been unfortunately and when we're talking about money thank you by the way for your text when we're talking about money and health and I was talking about the cross-border initiative and this was Jimmy and Copine was claiming that he heard of some woman who's been waiting a, year, a full year for a refund over a year for a refund which I find really hard and we still by the way haven't heard from anyone to say that they are waiting a full year for their refund I did hear from somebody to say hi I had a hip replacement done in January in Belfast. Now, I'm still waiting for the refund of my money as well. Uh, but they said, they explained that there would be, it wouldn't be coming as quickly as they ha- as it initially when this cross-border initiative first uh, started. And they said it's because of the amount of people who are getting it done. And this listener says, well worth the wait. Uh, the care was top class. Well done. And a hip operation and a hip replacement you would have been in a lot of pain previous to getting that operation done and I hope your recovery is going really, really well. And I know with Brexit and Brexit still looming, we should have been today. God, today was another one of their deadlines, wasn't it? That they should, that Brexit should have happened and now we, we know it's not going to happen. It's going to be a trick-or-treat at Halloween instead. But there was a rush. There certainly was a rush in the number of people trying to get appointments in Belfast because people were fearful that this is one of the things that would go when Brexit happened. We wouldn't have this cross-border in health initiative that it would be one of the things that would be lost because it's an EU scheme that's in place. I mean, you can go, we just happen to go across the border to Belfast. You could go to any other EU country and have the operations done. Obviously, there's additional costs involved then because you've got longer travel and more expensive uh, travel. But there's still a question mark over what's going to happen when Brexit will will it go. And I know because of that, a lot more people decided to get in in the act just in case Brexit would happen. And particularly if they, if they, if the United Kingdom crashed out of the EU. There was a danger that schemes like that literally would end overnight. So people were, were a bit worried about that. So I think that only added to the number of people who are going to Belfast, which is then putting added pressure on the HSC because you have to send in, you have to submit. I'm assuming those forms have to be filled in and your receipts and all of that. All of them have to go into the HSC and the processing is just taking longer because of the amount of people that are applying. Uh, by the way, to that listing with the hip replacement, let us know. I'll be interested. You, We can use you as a test case to see what is the length of time. So make a note of when you applied 
and then make a note of when you get your refund and get back on to us and we'll let us know how many months it actually took for you to get the refund. And when I was talking about cataract operations, I was saying I wasn't, I couldn't remember how much Belfast were charging for the cataract operations. Thank you to Michael O'Sullivan in Castletown Bear. Now, who actually sent me on a copy of, of a receipt from Belfast. I don't know if Michael himself had the operation done or this was or the procedure done or this was on behalf of somebody else. But it's £130 sterling for the consultation. And then the actual procedure itself is £1,290 sterling. So that's a grand total of £1,420 sterling. And I did a quick, went to one of those websites where you can do, uh, you can convert it to euro to see how much is that in our money. And it is €1,640. So that's what people would be getting the refund on. They would pay that, as I say, you know, some people already have it. Some people have savings. Some people have family members who have helped them out. And others then have gone to local credit unions who have really stepped up on this one and they've offered bridging loans to people. So they give them the money. They give them a cheque, I'm assuming, that they then take to Belfast. It's handed in. And then when the refund comes back, they, you then go back into the credit union and, and pay off the uh, bill. But people were expecting to get their money quickly but because of the numbers of people who have gone for the procedure it's just putting an additional piece, piece of pressure on the HSE. 1850 our lines remain open. Yesterday we were talking about insurance costs and we were talking about the compensation culture and in particular I was talking about the fact that about a third of people who have an accident at work, have an accident on the road or have an accident in any public place will straight away go and make a personal injury claim and we were talking about the whole compensation culture and one of the things we were citing was the fact the amount of money that's paid out on various claims and we had that stat from yesterday that in this country if you end up in court for our a settlement on the steps of the court can often happen you'll get five times the amount that will be paid out for the same injury in the United Kingdom and that we need to look at the amount of money we pay out for these cases and we also need to look at these cases and I think as a society we need to stop and think do we always have to rush? Do we always have to be first in line to sue? Do we always have to see it as something, as a way of making money? Now, I have no problem if somebody is involved in an accident and they have a catastrophic injury or a very serious injury or an injury that's going to knock them out of work for months. I have no problem with people like that going ahead and claiming that's what we pay insurance for. But we were talking about cases yesterday of people, uh, you know, children breaking an ankle and then so many years later going into court and getting, you know, there were some bizarre figures yesterday. There was a figure of €35,000 for a girl who broke her ankle in her back garden and they sued the landlord of the house because there was a pothole in the back garden. There was another person broke their ankle on a fractured an ankle by slipping on the footpath, got 41,000. There was a child who'd fallen off a stool in a creche, got 27,500 for a scratch on his, for a cut on his head. I'm assuming led to stitches, but it was something that had happened 10 years previously. And it's just this whole compensation culture. And I saw a listener contact us. I didn't get to this comment yesterday. It says, hi, Patricia, on this whole compensation claims. 
I've had I had five stitches in my finger from a broken wine glass while working in a hotel. That happened when I was just 17. Years later, I had to get four stitches in my lower leg because of a broken glass in a black bag. I was working in a pub and obviously carrying out the black bag and glass broke through and and ripped into this person's leg four stitches. Then three years ago, I tripped over the counter of a mat in a restaurant and it broke my ankle. I've never claimed anything from any of those places. I'd be a millionaire though now. Listen to the amount of compensation. Yeah, I mean, as I say, a third of people will straight away rush in for a personal injuries claim, which means two thirds of us are being decent about it and you only claim if it's absolutely necessary. And lo and behold, a judge came out yesterday and said it is high time that people stopped thinking others should be expected to pay after a bad experience. It's a Judge Michael Colgan. He was sitting in the Dublin District Civil Court yesterday and there was a teenage boy before him. Now, the teenage boy was awarded €2,000. He got €2,000 for two weeks of anxiety, which was suffered following what was described as a minor road incident. Now, the judge said that the figure is, in ordinary circumstances, is very small. But he said, in this instance, the level of the injury is also very small. He said it's high time that people got the idea that if they had a bad experience that they can expect money from a third party. He said it has to stop. He said one day someone is going to get a sharp lesson. They'll find a judge refusing to rule it notwithstanding an offer. He said I've heard insurance companies moan at the excessive cost of litigation and I look at a case of this this kind and wonder why they have a problem. Uh, the remark came uh, as he approved a settlement to, in the case of the boy, whose mother sued on the child's behalf. It was a minor road incident on the 1st of November 2017 when he was in the rear seat passenger of the car. And obviously there wasn't any damage done to the car. There was a tip on the car. But the child, it's claimed... It's alleged, suffered anxiety for the next two weeks um, because of it, and he got two thousand euro yesterday. Just, well, at least it was only two thousand euro. But I'm assuming that the person who was unlucky enough to be in the minor incident with that car, they will see their insurance premium rocket. Uh, for the next number of years. 1850 333103 lines open. C103 Jobs. Vodafone in Bandon and Clonakilty. They have full and part time sales positions available. Jobs do come with immediate start. Home carer required for an elderly lady with dementia. It's in the Bandon area. A skilled labourer is required for the North Cork area. And a housekeeper is required to lead a cleaning team at a West Cork holiday home complex. You'll find all the details and more job opportunities by going online now. Just go to c103.ie forward slash jobs for more. This is C103. Follow C103 on Facebook. Join us today and stay up to date with everything happening across Cork. Simply search Facebook for C103. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. Now pupils at the Patrician Academy in Mallow have written to the Minister for Education asking for work to begin on a new 
permanent building to replace a block of classrooms which was destroyed by a fire during the summer of 2016. Sixth year student Owen Kenny wrote to Minister McHugh on behalf of the Student Council and I'm delighted to say Owen joins me in studio. Good morning to you Owen. Good morning. Uh, And you're welcome and by the way we are streaming this live on our Facebook uh, page. Okay, go back and just remind listeners of the fire and how much was destroyed. It was July of 2016. Yep, 13th of July 2016 is when the fire happened and two thirds of the school building was was gutted and destroyed and uh, the remaining part of the building was deemed uh, a fire hazard and not fit for purpose. Um, So we were coming back as fourth year students and we were situated in Mallow GA Sports Complex. Your listeners might be aware of yeah. or the conditions we were we were situated in, and um, we were there for four months. And uh, we were then uh, situated in, in St Patrick's Boys National School, the local primary school, which is across the road. Across the road, only yeah. like you know. Um, and then for the, all of fifth year, my year group and I were situated in the Gilbert Centre, the local centre for the Irish Wheelchair Association. Okay. And you know, despite the efforts of the best efforts of our teachers and the best efforts of the personnel working within the organisations. Um, the situation was far from ideal, you know. Yeah, I mean, over the GAA complex, were you bussed there every morning? Yeah, like, you, I was lucky enough, I was living up St. Joseph Road, so I, I was okay to walk there, but, like, there was students uh, meeting at the school at 10 to 9, getting bussed up and getting bussed back down at 10 past 3. So it was a situation that was far from ideal and uh, it was a, um, a crazy experience to and be what, in. And what, what room, what, what type of a room were you in? Yeah, we were situated in the, in the, in the dressing rooms up there. So, you know, oh, for God's so sake. the freezing, freezing cold conditions you can imagine yeah, the conditions now yeah. in, in November and December um, not, now, and, and not conducive for learning oh no not at all no. Um, we were lucky we were in fourth year at the time but there was third years situated up there and first years yeah um, so and that was the initial four months when you literally couldn't go there was nobody yeah, and in the we, school we, was yeah, there we'd expected that like we'd expected a, I suppose a, a, a change of location of sorts for, for a couple of months and we had hoped that um, we would expected that the department would prioritise the school and would would quickly get on with making accommodation available, um, but um, that wasn't the case. No, like I did my junior cert on site in June of two thousand and sixteen, and following that, the next time I was on the campus was uh, my leaving cert year, which was September two thousand and eighteen. Oh, incredible! And mm. even to use the primary school, had you some of the pupils yeah. would have gone there? Yeah, I I, I would have gone there, and would my grandmother's secretary in there, and everything. So it was it was like. Going, going back home as such, yeah, early, and, but and you're in with the smallies. Yeah, and, yeah, it was it was different, you know. And I suppose we were lucky that uh, St Patrick's uh, took us in. Yeah, um, offered great, uh, offered yeah. two rooms to us, and we'd be forever thankful to to the principal up there, Mr Horgan, you know, for for taking us, and even to to the, to the staff of the Gilbert Centre and Mallory Sports Complex. And People were very youth, accommodating. Youth Centre, Bernadette O'Connor now, and the Youth Centre, they were very accommodating. Yeah. Um, but it was a situation that was far from ideal. So. Prefabs have been moved on site. Yeah, they 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 were constructed um, when they were put on place. They were shipped in from Scotland and put in put into the schoolyard up there. Um, Twelve of them, and uh, to be honest with you, they're they're not fit for purpose. Yeah, um, now I've I, I remember back in back in the glory days of being in school in a prefab, <laughs> and my God, they are uncomfortable yeah. buildings. Like these these ones now, are they're not even square in shape. They're rectangular. They're they're too long. Um, they're too cold in the winter, and now as the, as the weather changes, they're becoming too hot to even sit in. Yeah, you know. Yeah. So and like, there's an issue with the toilets in there as yeah, well. Yeah, like the toilet facilities are are <laughs> disgraceful, um, to put it lightly. Um, they're they're constantly flooded and they're rotting away. You know, and some of that what's come back down to us maybe as students, maybe we're not keeping them clean enough. Um, but the bottom line is they were bought in as a temporary measure three years ago, and they're still there. 
Yeah, so, and nobody ever envisaged you've been in them for three well, years. Well, students didn't envision, envision it, but I can imagine the department probably did. <laughs> yeah, and then for people living in Mallow, uh, and I know when I saw the, the letter, that you, the mm. really good letter, by the way, um, well written to Minister McHugh, I was on the impression that there was a lot of building work going on. Yeah, on I, th- I, think, I think a lot of people were under that impression, but... Um, you know, with twelve porta cabins on site, um, and um, not even a planet place, um, it's 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 nothing has been done. Like since since July of two thousand and sixteen, um, the student council, the staff of the school, or the parents association have never seen a, a plan for a new school building uh, to be to, to to be done, um, which is which is absolutely crazy. Um, so they moved in and they cleared the site. That's yeah, they, the they knocked the, they knocked the building, building. And, and we were even we were even the Gilbert Centre in. Uh, October of 2018 and we were looking out the top window of the Gilbert Centre watching the school being knocked yeah. brick, brick by brick and you know we were looking at it we were, we were hoping and we were anticipating that a new school would be then would be built Yeah Now I know you, I don't know if you're aware would there be I mean I'm assuming there's insurance is there's the oh, money yeah, there I, I presume that's, that's, prob- that's a management issue yeah. um, the student council haven't questioned the insurance and um, there hasn't been any talk if they're not no, been insured, no, so we're, no, we're assuming yeah, that the, yeah. the money is there. The Department of Education inspectors uh, were they in the school recently. This is the whole school evaluations yeah. that, that go on. What did they say? Yeah, um, in January we had a new principal appointed in September, Elena Regan, and she's been absolutely fantastic. Um, a great boost to the school and morale is, is fantastic around the school. Um, but we had our, our whole school evaluation. It happens maybe every 10 years or so. Yeah. And um, the inspectors came in and um, in the report after to the principal of the school, they issued a, a report saying that uh, the on-site facilities are not fit for purpose. It was kind of ironic that um, inspectors from the Department of Education were saying that the facilities on site were not fit for purpose when they were the ones that are providing the facilities. Yeah. So like we have a construction room, one construction room to cater for 550 boys and following the fire, because the three science labs were destroyed in the fire, um, there was three new ones made and um, one of them only has access to gas. So there's two science labs without ac- access to gas so are, are, are not fit for purpose really. And, and you, you have to have access to gas. Did they ever um, own find out what caused the fire? Yeah, um, <laughs> students, there's obviously rumours circling around with students but um, we were never made aware of what actually was was the cause. We um, a fire fire issue or something something like that. But, but and they think it was in the science lab. It was it? In, it, well. Um, it started in the corner of the top part of the building, which would have been a DCG room, which would yeah. have been a, a drawing room. Yeah. Um. So. Th- yeah. That was the case. Yeah. Uh, regardless of what caused it, we we mm. know the damage that was done. The, the bit of good news was the new gym and the astroturf pitch. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like the gym was was when I, when I came into the school in two thousand thirteen was just after being finalised mm. uh, and w- was just after being built and just um, uh, about three months ago we 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 got a new school astroturf but. We we raised that money ourselves. The mm. parents' association of the school um, raised that. A lot money. of fundraising um, went on for that. There was not a single cent given to the school to fund a, a school gym or to fund a, an astroturf. Um, so the department can't take any credit for that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so you decided to put pen to paper and you <laughs> wrote to the to, to the minister. Was the principal and the, the t- and the teachers were they aware that you were going? Yeah, to Yeah, well, this? it was inside the student council meeting that um, there was a, a heated debate, I suppose, on on the, on the topic. And um, um, I was asked to write a letter on behalf of the student council and I had no problem in doing it. And I sent it on Wednesday afternoon and um, I made the principal aware just before I sent it that I'd be sending it. And um, she said, I'd encourage you to send it. And she said, um, you would have the full backing of the management and the staff of the school. Did she proofread it? 
Um, she she right. didn't as such. She said, "I leave it to the, leave right. it to the students," which was thought maybe she might proofread for for for, for, gra- for for grammar for any grammar errors, yeah, yeah. which there was none. She, by she the was way. she was a business <laughs> she was a business teacher. So <laughs> <laughs> so you sent it off, and you also said to the minister, "I'm going to make the media aware of this." Yeah, I, I um, we decided kind of as maybe those three sixtures, uh, myself and two of my friends, Luke and Sean, we had decided that maybe we'd give them 48 hours to respond to it, and if we if we got acknowledgement of their email. Um, we we would see where it goes from there. But I sent an email on Wednesday and I had no reply on Friday evening. So I I decided to make nothing. It. Not even say we we not even an automated reply, which I was quite disappointed wow. with. So wow. um, I said on Friday evening I'd send it to the press, and um, I've got some great response from it, and I'm delighted to be on the radio show. Um, and then on Monday afternoon I followed up with the from the email I sent to Minister Hugh and I sent him a second email just to ask him if, if he had received it and if he yeah. had read it and that went uh, unreplied to as well so <laughs> like, and in, in school we like to teach young people manners yeah, well not manners even manners but we're trying to encourage young people to get into politics even or something yeah. like that And um, but basic manners would, basic, would say yeah, would, would decency. Say, as you say even mm. an automated one to yeah. say we acknowledge receipt we'll get back to you exactly Yeah. that that really is um, uh, shocking um, so and, and in and in your defence you're doing this not for you I mean you're never going to sit yeah, in, in I, a new class me- you've only I, got weeks left yeah I, like I've only seven weeks left I mentioned that in the email that obviously I won't avail of any new school building unless there's a serious rapid build in the next seven weeks. Um, but um, it's the it's the guys that are coming up behind me. Um, they won't avail of any school building either if if it continues to be kicked down the road. You know, has it curtailed enrolment? Um, oh yeah, yeah. Um, numbers have to be capped every year. Um, now there's ninety six being taken in next year. Okay. Um, like there's currently five hundred and fifty students in the school, and there's fifty five leaving starts leaving. And there's 96 coming in, so that's an excess of 44 students. Whoa! So um, that's going to put pressure uh, on them. The, the planning um, was, was is is supposed to be finalised in the coming weeks. To fit, to I um, um, got a, a reply from a, a politician who uh, wrote to um, Minister McHugh on my behalf, on the school's behalf, and he said that he got a reply stating that a building will be built for 500 students. So which makes absolutely no sense. It would never fit the needs of the students. So what's going to happen is the, fu- the planning will be finalised. The management of the school will be asked to go see in the pla- go see the planning. It will be um, um, told, the department will be told it's not fit for purpose. And um, it's going to have to go back to the drawing back board to, again. Oh my God. So it's going to oh, keep dragging first, on. So you'd, fe- you'd fear that. that the people who are in first year now wouldn't see a new school building. So the, the, the kids that are going into fourth year in, in September have never seen a pro- proper functioning secretary school. It's crazy. So four, crazy. four academic years, they've never seen a proper functioning school. And how is the leaving cert and the prep for the leaving cert going for you and yeah. the rest of the guys? <laughs> yeah, not bad. I, I suppose um, not many six-year students were writing letters to the Minister of Education seven yeah. weeks out from their leaving cert, but... Um, be a great essay topic. Yeah, I'm, ho- I'm hoping <laughs> that a, a, an essay topic in English might come up like that or something. So, well, what are you planning to do, and what's the hope? Teaching, hopefully. Is it yeah, teaching? teaching? Okay, I might be able to come back to a, a, a renovated Patrician Academy. Come back into a new school <laughs> and particular subjects that you're interested. Business, in? business, and religion is are the, wow. the, the two topics at the moment wow. up in the air. So, so have you, yeah. where are you planning on studying? In Mary Eye. Uh, in Torles, in the Torles campus in Mary I. What do you need yeah. points wise? 326. So. Oh, doable. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah, do that in your <laughs> Fingers sleep. crossed. You'll do that in your sleep. Yeah. Listen, best of luck uh, to you in for, to, for the leaving cert and uh, indeed for all of this, uh, the students. Uh, best of luck um, uh, to you and keep in contact with us. I'd be really interested to thanks see how much. you get on. Thanks very much for having us on as well. Get a result. Well, that was our, our pleasure and thanks for joining us. That thanks is uh, Owen Kenny, uh, leaving cert student at the Patrician Academy in Mallow. Listen to C103 on your phone. 
Download the C103 app today. Go to the Google Play Store for Android or iTunes for iPhone and search C103 Cork. Download it today and listen straight away to C103. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 086-2103-103. Now, Dr. Susan Crawford, a lecturer at UCC, along with her son, Tomas, are walking slash running the entire two and a half thousand kilometres of the Wild Atlantic Way to make the Wild Atlantic Way both autism active and autism aware by the end of this year. And this weekend, Susan will be running from Glengariff to Castletown Bear and then Castletown Bear to Kenmare. And I'm delighted to say that Dr Susan Crawford uh, joins me from the side of the road somewhere. (laughs) (laughs) On the way, I think. Are you on the way to Castletown Bear? Have you left Glengariff? On the way to Castletown Bear, absolutely. Okay, you're on on the way. Is the sun shining for you? It's fantastic. It's a grand fresh day to be out running and talking and walking. It's great. That's just great. Now, you started this challenge uh, March 23rd. Is this weekend the end of the cork leg? It is indeed, yeah. This weekend we go across the border into Kerry probably on Sunday. What's the reaction been like so far? Oh my God, I keep saying to people, I really and truly, this has been the most remarkable experience of our lives. People have been out of this world. Kindness, generosity, warmth, great fun, great crack, you know, offering accommodation, pulling up from the side of the road, opening boots of cars with sandwiches in it, <laughs> uh, farmer passing you, coming back with more messages for you. Just, it's amazing. It's absolutely incredible. And we're loving every minute of it. Isn't it's that, brilliant. Okay, take, take us back and tell us why, why a challenge like this is, is so important. I suppose the first piece for me was that the whole autism awareness piece just needed to be addressed. Sorry, there's the car. In reality and in real time for people, because I don't know how many times people would say to me over the last number of years, you know, I've been working both with Moss and in my own job, the whole research side of developing the whole autism awareness, autism access piece. Um, just that people would say, all we need to be is told. If we only knew, mm. we would do A, B or C. And it's that piece that kind of said, well, let's take to the road and make this happen. And um, the other side for me is I'm a big proponent of physical activity for children, adults on the spectrum. And I thought, you know, let's get the message out there. Anybody, anybody can be active. Like my own son, Moss, who's 23, has severe autism, epilepsy, and the condition called autism-related testonia. And last Saturday, he covered 28 miles. Isn't that brilliant? It's fantastic. Absolutely fantastic. And we do what's called tethered running because of his medical condition so that he's not far from me. And again, not a bother in him. Absolutely not a bother. And it is getting that piece across. But we've been joined by amazing people travelling similar journeys with their sons and daughters, you know, who have lots of challenges, etc. And as well as addressing the automobile, autumn activities, it's important to highlight the continued lack of services for this population. Um, we never can get away from the fact that there's not enough assessment, there's not enough support, ideally in, in schools and in community. And once they go over the age of 18, when you're in the moderate, severe end of the spectrum, you're a forgotten population. And it's about giving voice to a lot of those people yeah. and their parents. Uh, and I know, on, on certainly on this, um, uh, on, on our radio here and on this show, we've spoken with so many parents. I mean, I, I could fill programme after programme after programme with yeah. parents 
desperate you know on the, the starting the journey trying to get the child into the proper school then when they get to secondary school trying to get the correct placement and then as you say the nightmare of adult services I mean that's just a different ball game yeah yeah and I, it, it really beggars belief that in this day and age we cannot say this is a particular condition once diagnosed these are the support services that are needed to be put in place. Let's go and do it, move it on, and let people grow and develop and really attain a potential, you know? Uh, and it shouldn't be waiting till parents have literally died to move in and suddenly provide a service in crisis, you know? And I've seen that time and time again, people battling away, trying to get a day here, a day there, a respite or a support, etc. And it would be so much more seamless provided at the start set the structures up and let people develop and grow. Yeah, and the amount of burnout for carers is just incredible. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. And um, like, funnily enough, over the last few weeks, just chatting to parents, it's that piece that nobody understands what you're going through and you're just soaking it up all the time. And I know it myself in our own lives at home, uh, you know, with Tomas's health challenges, it has been very, very difficult because lots of those, the catatonia of autism is entirely new in this country in terms of being recognised and treated. And I had to go all over the world to get expertise to see, well, what's the ideal way to approach this? How do we manage it, etc. So that in itself is a job on its own. Never mm. mind being a mother or a carer and all the rest of us rolled into it. And does, does Tomás have a day placement? He has a day placement with the Brothers of Charity in Milton Malbay four days a week and we get one night's respite per week. Now, his condition, obviously, is quite unique in that catatonia of autism not affects 11 to 17% of adults on the spectrum. But literally, someone could be walking along or running with you and he can freeze in action, literally, almost like as if he's gone into a trance. So you have to be prompting him out. So I, in the real world, he has to have one-to-one support 24-7. Wow. So, you know, it's, it's, it's ongoing work all the time. Now, having said that, I was saying to people last weekend, he was in his element doing that run. Oh, thank goodness. It was fantastic, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, and that's he, that link that you're talking about, about with exercise. Oh, it's, look, that's my own area of research. Look, we have looked at children and adults on the spectrum, moderate to severe end of the spectrum, who may not be able to engage socially, may not have communication skills, etc. But suddenly you open up a whole new world for this population when you get them out and active. And that was the whole piece. But sometimes for children and adults on the spectrum, they may not have the same motion skills like running, testing, throwing, kicking that the neurotypical population or the regular population has. So we'd go back and teach those skills. And yeah. I'd be driving that agenda all the time, get stuck in and preschool, primary schools, etc., develop those skills of movement and then the rest will fall into place. Yeah. Because in reality, say with like with Tomas, he can very comfortably be in groups, in community, etc., despite all his labels. And that is because he's out in Dexter all the time and a part of a community that he's engaging. Like, we run with the group at home and that sort of stuff and we take on any kind of challenges. You know, when we're abroad, we always do big long runs every day and hikes and swims and that kind of stuff. So he's active as much as possible. And then you can see the difference that that makes to Tomas for the rest of the day. That's exactly yeah. it, you know, the rest of the day. We got back last Saturday evening, cooked the dinner, ate it. He was ready to go to bed and sleep and slept the full night, not yeah. to bother, you know. So it's fantastic. You know? And I, I know along this challenge on the Wild Atlantic Way, you're also giving autism awareness training. 
You're delivering that uh, along the way. How is that going? It's fantastic. It's really, really well received. And again, it's one of those situations where people would go, God, if I only knew. So what I've been doing is I um, have been rolling out courses. over Since December, I've been rolling out autism awareness training. And um, literally all over Clare, that's where we live. Um, We've met with all different types of populations and communities undertaking the training from you know, youth clubs to yesterday I was in the Armada Hotel in Spanish Point with the staff. You know, it's all different people, populations reaching out saying, yeah, once we know, we know how to, how to accommodate people coming in the door, etc. So um, we crossed over into Kerry on Sunday and we have three venues, Tahasalveen, IT Trilly and Bally Bunyan highlighted for April to watch and wear a training in, in centres there. And um, then up in Clare, the same thing, Clare is almost done at this stage because and every Tuesday evening at home, I have a drop-in uh, class. People just call in. You could have five or you could have 45. People come in to complete the training. And next, I was describing this yesterday. I met a, a neighbour of mine who was a farmer arrived one evening to do it. And, of course, I ridiculously said to him, gosh, what brings you in here? And he said, oh, shouldn't I? And the guy is entitled to be aware of everyone else. Uh, I'll put you in your place. (laughs) Well done, well done. And you're inviting people, um, particularly this weekend while you're in, your last weekend in Cork, to join you along the way. Walk, you know, walk a few miles with you, run a few miles with you. Yeah, it's a walk, run, talk. Look, we've we've slowed down to accommodate anyone that joins us, run a bit, walk a bit, whatever. And it is all about engaging with people hearing people's stories as we go, etc. And I have to say, I stayed in the Eccles Hotel in St. Gareth last night and my friend Thomas has just come down from County Clare to join me for this leg today after he's had these cows milk. And I was telling him there was a play in the Eccles Hotel this morning if I had time to write it. They were just the most amazing women, women serving in the breakfast. Yeah. And the conversations we had was just super. <laughs> it's a gorgeous <laughs> hotel. It's, it's a gorgeous hotel. Well, and where, where were you staying tonight? Tonight we're in Airbnb, actually. My friend Anne booked a place in Castellon Beer. She just went for a, a cottage just to make it handy for two nights. Great. And in a way, it's a pity because we had loads of offers of accommodation. It's the first night we've paid for accommodation since we started. Is it? So uh, up to this particular, Justin literally saying, you'll stay here, we've started. Patrick Minahan and Kathy and that group of people have just looked after us all the way from when we said we'd kick off in Cork till we go into Kerry um, into Kenmare on Sunday. Ah, that's great. It's great. And, and, and I know the good, the good people of Kerry will pass the mantle over to them <laughs> and they'll look after you. I'll promise you I that. No and you're, you're going to work right the way up along the Wild Atlantic Way, right up to Donegal? Up to Derry, actually, yeah. We well, finished in Derry. Yeah, yeah. And so when, when, months, yeah. when do you plan to finish? I hope we'll be done by the middle of October. Now, here and there, we'll take a week or two and do a full week or two, um, you know, every day doing a piece of it. Yeah. You know, take holidays over the summer and treat that as our holidays. But I had to laugh. I did a quick video last Saturday. We were walking down from Sheep's Head towards Bantry. And I said, Smart, I, Smart, I said, where are we now? And he said, San Francisco. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I said, America at home, even better again. I said, West Cork, it is fabulous. Yeah, yeah, and you couldn't beat it. You couldn't beat it. Absolutely stunning scenery. Yeah, it's out of this world. It really is. And and you know what's equally brilliant, I have to say this, that Dermot Denham hasn't got his hands on any country house in West Cork with the most amazing farmhouses. You'd be afraid that suddenly big blocks at last be put up in front of them. (laughs) They're absolutely stunning. Good solid.
You're not a Dermot Bannon fan then, Susan? No, no. I do. I love these stuff, but I just think these are the places that should be just yeah. minded as they are. They're just fantastic old world. They're, and they're, they're part of our heritage and they do need yes, to be looked after. Absolutely. Okay. We'll, let you, we, we'll let you get back out on the road. And listen, thanks a million. And the phone line, John Paul, our producer, was nervous that we wouldn't be able to get signal uh, that it wouldn't stay long enough. And it did, which is great. The gods are smiling at us. Listen, it was a pleasure to talk to you, Susan. Good luck to you and to Moss. And thanks for joining us this morning. Thanks a million. Thank Good. you. And thanks to all in West Cork for their support. OK, God bless. Take care. Bye bye. That is Dr. Uh, Susan Crawford. Keep a lookout for her today, please. As she's in the final leg of the Cork bit of her challenge to take her right around the two and a half thousand. It's, isn't it? I mean, to even think about it, to run or walk two and a half thousand kilometres and she'll do the entire wild Atlantic way from March right through to October. Uh, it really is great, along with uh, Tomas, her severely autistic son. It really is great what she is undertaking. So today, uh, Glengarriff to Castletown Bear, and then they overnight in Castletown Bear, and then it's Castletown Bear to Kenmare, and that will complete the cork leg of it. And then hopefully the good people of Kerry, and I'm sure they will, the good people of Kerry will look after her as well as the good people of Cork have done uh, since she started out uh, last month. John Paul taking your calls, 1850-333-103. You can text her WhatsApp 086. You're listening to Cork Today on replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Thank you to more. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads, generally, for most people, are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app. You can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. 
Deborah, one of our listeners, who sent me in a lovely Easter card with a beautiful daffodil on the front. But Maura also sent in uh, an example of what she makes and gives to her grandchildren for Easter. She doesn't give Easter eggs. Remember, we were talking about children getting too many Easter eggs and to try to give something different. And my suggestion always is, uh, particularly the smallies and even the not so smallies, give books. Books are one of the greatest things you can give to children if you can give them a love of reading and give it to them at a young age. They will carry it right throughout their adult life. It's a great, great uh, gift uh, because they get enough Easter eggs. So, you know, if you've got the chance, particularly as grandparents, give books. Anyway, Maura uh, sent me in a little pom-pom chicken. It's the sweetest little thing we have. It. I'm looking out at it. It's sitting up on, on John Paul's desk. And it's just a gorgeous little pom-pom chicken. And Maura in her card says, I'm bad with the arthritis, so the hands aren't what they used to. But the pom-poms are very easy to make. Oh, pom-poms are great. And children love them and it feels soft and cuddly and it's gorgeous. And uh, she sent it on to us for Easter. So thank you. You've certainly brightened our day, both with your card, Maura, and your pom-pom chicken. Thank you for it. And I have been asked to give a mention to a coffee morning fundraiser that's been held on behalf of Jack and Friends in Bandham. It's going to be held in the Monster Arms Arms Hotel on the 16th of April, which is... Today is Friday the 12th. That's next Tuesday. Next Tuesday, half past 10 in the morning and all are very welcome. So if you're around Bandon next Tuesday morning, uh, want to pop into the Munster Arms Hotel for that coffee morning in aid of the Jack and Friends in Bandon. Of course, today is the start of the Easter holidays, isn't it, for the children? They're off now for the next two weeks. There'll be great excitement in all of the schools as they wrap up and get a little bit of a break. And we've got reaction in... Following my interview with young Owen Kenny, Owen was the young, the student, Leaving Cert student from the Patrician Academy in Mallow, who on behalf of the Students Council wrote a most eloquent letter, I have to say. It, I'm really saddened, I have to say, that the Minister for Education hasn't even acknowledged that a student on behalf of other students has written to him to point out what is wrong in their school, what they need. And, you know, he asks very relevant questions, I think, uh, in the email. You know, things like, uh, why are we waiting so long? Can your department not prioritise our school? When will we get a new uh, school building? You know, and talks about things, would you want your own child to be educated in, in a school like this? But not even to get an acknowledgement borders on rudeness, doesn't it? I mean, you would, you know, I, I would take part of education when they're in school. You know, they're taught that if you, you know, if you get a letter, or in this case, an email, you acknowledge it. I mean, even if you're not going to get into the detail of what's in it, a simple acknowledgement to say, dear own, thank you for receipt of your email. And I'm not saying the, the Minister McHugh has to sit there answering all the emails, but surely somebody in his office, you can have automated replies to say we acknowledge receipt of your email just to make sure that you know it got into the right inbox and it is gone where it's meant to go. So I mean I don't know if that's standard for the Department of Education that they don't acknowledge any. I mean you know if you if, if you're contacting the Department of Education and you have a query you expect somebody's going to come back. Even if it's somebody's come back saying I'm not at liberty to answer your questions or I'll pass it on to the relevant department. You know, you've, you know, you've sent it to the wrong person. It's just really taken aback by that. Anyway, uh, it was a pleasure to have spoken with Owen Kenny in studio outlining his own story, what, what school life has been like for him since the 
Petitioning Academy burnt down almost three years ago now. I mean, their transition year sounds like it was an absolute nightmare. And then they did fifth year, finally got back onto, onto campus this year for sixth year for the, his final year. He and the other boys in Leaving Cert. And they're all in porter cabins, freezing in the winter and roasting in the summer. What? No way, no way to be studying for your Leaving Cert. Some of your comments in a lot of people very, very fulsome in their praise of Owen though and saying what an incredible young man and I 100% am in, in, uh, behind all of those comments but some of you, some of the comments in Hypertition, the Petition Academy students are suffering, all of the Petition Academy students are suffering. As exam students now take precedent uh, for woodwork and the science rooms and therefore the woodwork and the science rooms are now no longer available to the other classes and thus Free classes seem to be the norm at the moment on a lighter note. Fabulous music choices today. Glad to know that you're enjoying the music choices. I can fully, there's seven weeks to go to this term. I can absolutely understand why the school has to make that decision. Not an easy decision to say, OK, woodwork science classes, the junior cert students and the leaving cert students must have access to those rooms. It's unfair and it's unfortunate on the first years, the second years, Trend with, with transition years be using those uh, classes and the fifth and the fifth year unfair but very understandable and if your child was in the junior cert or the leaving cert class you would be the first one saying my son needs to get into this classroom the others can wait so I can fully fully understand why they're doing that but it's not fair absolutely it is not fair and a West Cork listener says Patricia may I compliment that young man this is uh, Owen Kenny may I compliment that young man on how eloquently he spoke he didn't stutter. He didn't repeat himself once. Well done and good luck to him. That's from a West Cork listener who does has never even seen the inside or outside of the Patricia Academy. Thank you for that. Nicola says, Patricia, what a lovely young man. A credit to himself, to his parents and his teachers. We moan about youngsters today, but I'm finding more and more that they are very well grounded. Wouldn't young Owen, who joined you, be, do a better job in government than any of the politicians we have here are indeed in the United Kingdom. Well done, Owen. You'd have my vote. Kind regards, says Nicola. I actually, at the end of the interview, when I you know, was asking how's the Leaving Cert going and you know, what are your plans and, and whatever, I actually was half expecting him to come out and say that he's going to go and study politics. I was expecting to say that I kind of got taken back and said I want to be a teacher. So, oh, OK. And what a fine teacher he'll make as well. And then we were having sort of a bit of fun with him because one of his teachers who I didn't, whose name I didn't get, I'm sure John Paul did, one of his teachers drove him over, um, took him out of class and brought him over here for, for the interview today. And his teacher even said, wouldn't he make a fine politician? I said, absolutely. There's a, there's a budding Taoiseach there. They're the type of, with that kind of passion and drive, but then wouldn't you be afraid if you got into politics would they knock it out anyway we'll keep a close eye on young Owen Kenny into the future I think he's a young man who is going far that's for sure and he's promised us that he'll keep in contact with us because I I want to know if when will Minister Joe McHugh will he acknowledge the interview and will he in some way make contact with the school wouldn't it be terrific you know, and I know he's the Minister of Education and he can't be running around the country going to every school's school. Wouldn't it be lovely for him to acknowledge Owen's email and ask for Owen and maybe two others, to, you know, pupils, if he doesn't want to engage with the teachers, bring them in 
and let them let him kind of like the interview I had with Owen there let Owen sit across the table from Minister Joe McHugh and lay out his stall and say this is what life is like for us this is what schooling has been like for the last three years this is what it's going to be like for the next three years if you don't do something and do something quickly and you know and get that school rebuilt it was an accident it was a fire these things happen there's insurance there it can't be an issue around money so I can't understand why they're stalling and why they're almost being the forgotten uh, pupils 1850 oh, so coming in oh this is on compensation when I mentioned the compensation culture in which we live in hi Patricia Tom here talking about the compensation culture well I have a little story to share with you a neighbour of mine had a small tip with an elderly man a small tip from behind uh, and it happened in a local town he put a collar on him and sued and laughed telling me there was actually nothing wrong with him at all he walked away with 17,000 euro for this so-called neck injury soft tissue isn't it? soft tissue damage probably and then he went back and he sued for the children in the car claiming they were all injured they each got 10,000 it is so wrong and this guy was laughing at it oh isn't that just shameful see I hear stories like that and I think by God would you have any luck for it? And then whenever I say it to people, people say, yeah, I know someone who's had loads of luck. They've sued three, four and five times and got, you know, a whack of money each time. I just cannot understand the mentality. And you can imagine for that elderly man who obviously tipped into the back of this guy's car with the children in it, you know, fender bender, isn't that what they're called? Tipped into the back of it. And then your man decides to put the collar on quick now and we'll sue and laughing all the way to the courts and gets his money. But for that elderly man, he, did he ever drive again? You'd wonder afterwards. His insurance premium would have just been through the roof. And I, I come from a family where my own mother, God be good to her, used to always say, she, she was, that line rings in my head, you'd have no luck for that kind of money. She used to always say it. And, she, you know, her philosophy in life was if something genuinely goes wrong and has happened, then obviously, you know, you need to sue and that's what insurance is there for. But for anything else, you pick yourself up, you dust yourself off and you get on with it. And a number of, not not that long ago actually, one of my nephews was on a motorbike and he was on a roundabout in uh, Waterford and an elderly lady was navigating the roundabout and whether she didn't see him or whatever, I don't know. But anyway, she knocked him off the bike and there was my sister got the phone call, you know, that dreaded phone call. You're, you know, your son's been knocked off the bike and he was, at that stage, I think, on the way they, 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 an ambulance was called for because the bike was completely written off and he was taken to the local hospital. Now, it turned out he was grand. He had he had scratches, he had bumps and bruises and whatever, but he was, he was perfect. But the bike was written off. And the elderly lady contacted them to see what was happening and how was, the, you know, how was my nephew? He was told he's fine, don't worry about it, it's grand. And then wanted to, you know, what, where, where do we go from here? And um, 
my sister and her, her son, who was a young adult, said, no, all I want is the cost of the bike back and the bike repaired and whatever. So they sorted it all out themselves and the bike got repaired and he got back on the road and the, the elderly woman continued driving and was, you know, killed apologising and didn't know what happened or, or whatever. And I remember commenting to my sister and to my nephew, well done, you know, you could have gone to court. And people were saying to him, go to court, you can sue, you can do this, you your neck and blah. There was nothing wrong with him and he hasn't had an ill effect since in case people go, oh, needs to be careful it could come back to haunt him later he hasn't and I was proud of them I was very proud of them for what they did particularly when it was an elderly lady who was traumatised and upset enough without being hauled through the courts and in insurance and all of that and this is on Michael Collins oh this was the issue that we were have been running and it's on our news it must have been on our news this morning we were running this yesterday this is Michael Collins looking to try to get the rail service back into West uh, Cork morning Patricia heard on the news this morning how Deputy Michael Collins has been trying to get some good transport for us here in West Cork again listening to the news the Minister says there is likely that no railway would ever be put back into West Cork why? because it might be a little more difficult to accomplish. Well I say to that Minister, it was the Irish lads that built the railways in the United Kingdom and in the US of A and could they not the same Irish lads come back and replace what was taken away from us here in West Cork. We need good, reliable transport Sad again that we in West Cork uh, are left down. How unfair is that? 1850-333-103. John Paul taking your calls. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council. Supporting businesses. Supporting communities. Serving Cork. Visit corkcoco.ie. Now the O'Donovan Rossa GAA bingo that was due to be held in Rossa Park in Skibbereen uh, tonight. That's been cancelled due to a bereavement in the local area. Castle Magnar Easter Disco for children 12 years and under. That'll be held in the community hall tonight. That's at half past seven. While bingo is on in Kildallery Parish Hall, half past eight, all are welcome. A fundraising night for the Fomoy and District Lourdes Fund will be held in the local bar in Glamworth tonight with a nine o'clock start. Music is by Steve and Finger Food will be provided plus a great spot prizes. Kinsale College of Further Education have an open day going on today. You're invited to come along, look around the college, meet the teachers, walk in. Interviews are available for courses as well. All are welcome. Clyde Rovers GAA holding their lottery draw in Derry Murphy's Bar. That's tonight. Twelve and a half thousand euro is your jackpot and tickets are available from Jerry O. Donovan. And the Parents Association of Rylan National School, they're holding a tea party tomorrow in Ahabolic Hall that starts at half past eight. Music by the Butler Boys and tickets available at the door. And there's a coffee morning tomorrow morning at Donnerill Court Tea Rooms from half ten to half twelve. It's for the Autism Assistance Dogs Ireland. Music will be provided by the wonderful Johnny Bongos. This is the Court Today replay on C103. 
And I just spotted another text in about Owen Kenny the Young leaving cert student from the Patrician Academy who spoke to us about the conditions at the school and trying to find out from the Minister for Education why are they the forgotten pupils over 500 of them and nothing has happened not a brick has been laid to replace the school that was gutted the 11 classrooms were lost nearly three years ago now Kira said I only just tuned in and I missed Owen Kenny's interview we'll definitely listen back to it on the podcast later he's a wonderful young man who is selfishly crusading on behalf of the students coming after him. Well done Owen, one to watch uh, for the future and I've just checked with John Paul, our podcast obviously goes up later on in the afternoon but Kira, we also did it on Facebook Live so if you have access to Facebook go on the C103 Facebook page and you'll be able to see a streaming of the interview that went out live earlier on uh, as well. And thank you to the person when we were talking about the hip replacement operation somebody had their hip replacement operation done in January went to Belfast did it as the cross border initiative. Typically it's cataract patients that are going but we have heard of some people with hips and knees that they just get in so much pain sick of waiting to get an appointment here in Cork So they end up going on the buses or they make their own way to Belfast and they have the operation done. And somebody had their operation done in January, said it was top class service. And I was talking about the cost of the cataract operation. It's just under 15,000 sterling. So it comes in at just under 17,000 euro. Uh, The hip operation, now this is a more costly one. The hip operation is 10,000 £600 sterling. That's expensive. But you get refunded. That's the, the If you can get the, if you have that money in savings, great. If you can get a bridging loan from your credit union, and I'm sure that they, they do bridging loans for it as well because they're very much in favour of this scheme because it's working so well. So that's the cost of it. But as I say, the HSE will refund all £10,600 sterling to that person that had the hip operation done. It's just as I say, we're discovering now there's a little bit of a weight on it and that's due to the volume of people applying and putting in for their refunds. Now, some of your calls are coming in to us. Isn't one Eileen in Crookstown is on to see has anybody else noticed this or has anybody else spotted this? She said she was in her house on Tuesday evening, sitting in her li- living room, and she des- how now she's describing it as a very unusual wasp. She said it was very large and it flew into her living room. She'd never seen anything like it before. But she said what really got to her was the size of this wasp at this time of the year. She said, you know, normally they're not common at this time of the year, but certainly to see something this large at this time of year. And she's just wondering, she's in the Crookstown area. Has anybody else noticed a very, very large wasp slash bee? She thinks it's a wasp, though, rather than a bee unusual for this time of year and particularly the size of it. Does uh, anybody want to add to that? 1850-333-103. We were talking about the trains and the West Cork trains and for Jews to independent Dáil Deputy Michael Collins from West Cork trying to get the trains brought back but the Minister saying no way too expensive can't be done blah 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 uh, Caller do I have a name on Patrick in Ballinhasic has contacted us Good afternoon to you Patrick 
Good afternoon to you. You lived near, next to I a did, railway line. I, I, as I say, I nearly lived in the middle of it. Because <laughs> of it. Tell yeah. us, where did you live? I lived in a place called Gothnick Lock and the Kilady line near Van Hassey. And you grew up beside the railway line? I grew up alongside the railway line. I did from, the, from early, early in, the, in my small years. And did you get, did you just get used to the sound of the trains? I, I never really took any notice, but because I've ever used to it, you know. And um, there was a there was a man. He has told me old sweets, uh, out from from the carriages when he was passing there, going up the cock and coming down. A passenger. He called, he, he called to see me, and uh, I was away at the time. And the next thing, the man died. Ah, and was he a passenger? Yeah, his, his, his name was Paddy. He, I think he was Madden. And was, yeah. he, was he a passenger on the train or did he work he on the train? He was a driver. Oh, he's a driver on the train. So he, yeah. is, he used to see little little Patrick and Ballinhastig every day so he used to give him some sweets. Has that, was that re- yeah, really yes, good? Yes, he used to give a few water to the neighbours as well, yeah. Okay. And it was, it was busy, busy, a busy rail line? Oh, my, and, and that's an awful last. That rail line is an awful last, right? There was clothes, there was matches and everything going down. You know, unbelievable, eh? Yes, it was. It was a shame, really, that they closed that West Cork railway line. That was a terrible thing to do. It was the most stupid thing to do of all times. And another thing is that the cars are clogging up down the road, and another ten years we won't be able to get out on the road with the traffic. And as countless people, particularly those living in West Cork, will say, the roads in and around West Cork were never designed for the volume of cars. Because we had the railway line, so that we never had that volume of cars on those roads. Yes, that that's is the true. problem. That is, that is the problem. Okay, and yes. you have one other story with with the opening and closing of the railway gates. Oh, sorry, oh, no, oh. sorry. You're saying the guy that closed the railways. My, my apologies. I'm just reading yeah, it right. He, he, Tom yes. Andrews of Fianna Fáil. Todd. 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 Todd Andrews. He was Fianna Fáil. And you he hold- was the man that closed down that film. He was responsible for it. All he right. Mostly responsible, unbelievable. I, I never, I never, I, I, I don't know what's going to happen now because in time to come, when I'll be dead and gone. That's 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 low, that's that road will be clogged with traffic, and there was no way out of it. And there'll be nobody going anywhere. All right, Patrick, listen, thank you for that and uh, thanks for joining us, Patrick, with his memories of the railway line in Ballinhasic. Tommy McCroom says, don't forget about the train to McCroom. The railway line was taken away also from mid-Cork areas. Well, I think if Michael Collins had his wish and I think if a lot of other people had their wish, you'd have the full railway service back into West Cork. Now, I know what Michael was pushing for even just to get it started, he was saying get a railway line into Bandon and into Clonakilty. And then I suppose if you could get it that far, you know, it could be moved on from there. Anna says it is time to bring back the railway line or some, time, some type of railway service to West Cork. The road network, exactly what Patrick and Ballon Hasek has been saying, is simply too busy. The roads are deteriorating. Look at the N71. She suggests could a petition not be set up to get a railway line, even as Jim, as Michael Collins says, as far as Clonakilty. Could we not set up a petition? We've seen how petitions have worked in the past. 1850 333 103. Anne in Skibbereen says to let Eileen in Crookstown know she also had a huge wasp 
come into her kitchen yesterday. She said she was actually alarmed by it. Keep a look out for that. Uh, large wasps. Uh, were we, are we starting? What does that anything to do with global warming? Is that anything to do with the mild winter that we had? Does anybody have an explanation on that? But they seem to be scaring people. They are so big. And one final comment Martin was on. He was listening to Avril Power, CEO of the Irish Cancer Society, earlier on on the programme. Martin says, while I like her as a person, I do feel she might be frightening people talking about the cancer rates and talking about the fact that the cancer rates are going to double in the next 25 years. Martin says, there could be cures for cancer within the next five to 10 years. Look how things have changed in the last 10 years. So calling out figures and talking about figures like that will only scare people. And we should instead be focusing on cancer treatment. Well, in her, in Avril Power's defence, the figures don't come from the Irish Cancer Society. They come from the National Cancer Registry. They're the ones that log and make a note of all of the different cancer cases. So there's a very, it's very scientifically done how they calculate the number of cases that we can expect to see. I think from the Irish Cancer Society's point of view, though, what's helpful about these figures is as she was saying, you know, you can plan, but also we can prevent the cancers. I mean, to hear us say four in ten cancers are preventable. So by talking about them, she might give some people a scare, a scare into changing their lifestyles, give up the cigarettes, cut down on the alcohol, lose weight, get more exercise. And then the screening programmes. It's so important that people go for screening. I mean, it's it's bowel cancer awareness month this month and for whatever reason and maybe you know I did ask her about it maybe it's just embarrassment but when people get offered to do the bowel screening the the bowel screening is one of the ones that they I mean it would be great to have it up at 70, 80, 90% of people going forward for the screening but for some reason it is one of the screening programmes that has the lowest number of participants which is a real um real sadness particularly for the Irish Cancer Society if we could get people to get in there and get screened early it might stop them it might prevent people getting bowel cancer uh, later on in uh, life so we've got the screening programmes we also have the vaccination programmes there are lots of great work going on to prevent uh, cancers but we can't bury our head in the sand either Martin if the figures are there the figures are there 1850 we're going to take a break and we are going to the movies with Mark Malone after these and we're getting calls in from all over the place and people saying yeah, that they've seen um, very large wasps come into their house. Somebody, Pat says, hi Patricia, it's a queen wasp that has woken up from winter. And Mark Malone, our movie reviewer, is in here and you said the very same thing. She's it's looking, the queen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. She's looking to nest. Yeah, if they're very, very big wasps, they're the yeah. queens and they're looking for to nest in your area. Yeah. Okay. I know it's a horrible, terrible thing to say, but if you do kill the wasp, then yeah. you might have less wasps in your area. Yeah. If you let her nest, of course, you're going to have thousands of them. So. Do you, I, do you, I, I know all of God's creatures got a place in the choir. Yeah. What do wasps do? Are they part of the... Well, they do pollinate. They do, you know yeah. Oh, they yeah. do pollinate, yeah. Yeah, because so. yeah. Yeah, I know with bees, we're always trying to look after bees, but you don't want wasps around. A couple of summers ago, I was in the back garden and I was lying kind of back enjoying some sunshine and I could hear this little scraping noise like... It was very, very odd. It was driving me mad for, for, forever. And we've got a wooden um, f- um, fence and I finally found out what it was. It was actually a tiny little wasp scraping the wood off the fence to make the nest. Are you for real? Isn't that extraordinary? That's incredible. Yeah. I, I remember we were in our garden um, a couple of summers ago and it was late at night and there was 
a really runting, grunting, really weird noise going, what the hell is that? Never had anything like it before. So flashlights were taken out and uh, it was um, two hedgehogs <laughs> doing what hedgehogs do. And they're, when we Googled it, yeah. they make noise. Really? Yeah. Oh. They make noise. Anyway, sorry. sorry. A little bit of nature on the programme today. Well, there are spikes uh, involved. So yeah, is we- it more... Ooh, ah, ooh. <laughs> Okay, I didn't think of that. We went to the um, you went to the movies and you went to see Shazam, 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 and on a DVD it's Creed Two, and the um, this is a quick trailer from Shazam. Shazam. It's <laughs> crazy, right? His name is Captain Sparkle Fingers. No, it's not. It's not my. That's not my name. You're him. You're the hero. Dude, did you see that? You electrocuted a bus and almost killed these people. And then I caught it. Are we looking at what adventure comedy here? I'm thinking, looking at the picture. Yeah, it's kind of a, kind yeah. of a superhero movie. Yeah, superheroes. They're calling it Superman meets Big. Uh, do you remember Big with Tom Hanks? Yeah, yeah, yeah. This little boy yeah. who wanted to be Big, and yeah. so therefore we had the character of Tom Hanks, who was really the little boy. I love that. Within, yeah, it's a great movie. And, yeah, it's a great movie. Uh, and it's kind of a very similar story uh, to this here. And in fact, there is a little reference to Big in the film as well. So the film was very much aware, it was self-aware. It knew what it was doing. It knew the story was similar. So they decided, look, we pay tribute to the Tom Hanks movie, and they do in this because it's about a little boy who becomes a superhero. Uh, you know, he wants to be a superhero. He never thinks it could, of course, it could uh, possibly happen. Is he happen. called Shazam? Well, uh, the wizard Shazam, who has oh, this lair underground, uh, his powers are beginning to kind of, uh, he's been to lose his powers. And he's worried about the bad guy in this movie played by Mark Strong, who plays Dr. Savannah. And he has powers himself. But if he gets hold of the Shazam's powers, then he will be just, you know, he will just control the world. And so Shazam decides, no, he'll pass on his power to this little boy whom he sees as, uh, as an innocent and, and pure of thought, even though the little boy doesn't think that at all, because the little boy uh, is. Uh, living in a foster home and he has a tendency to get involved in kind of trouble and um, so when the wizard says no no you are you're a really nice guy the little boy goes me and so basically what happens uh. is he gives the boy the little power so every time he says Shazam he turns into Zachary Levi who is the kind of um, older version of uh, of him and it's a very odd film in the sense that there's like three kind of different sections there's the first section where they're leading up and telling you the story which is really really complicated as a lot of these kind of superhero movies tend as to they be. build up as yeah build up and it takes an awful long time but when finally uh, the little boy turns into Z- Zachary Levi who's a brilliant comedy actor uh, you, do you ever watch The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel yeah yeah, yeah. he's in that yeah. and I remember him in a TV series called Less Than Perfect a few years ago so he has a lovely kind of comic touch so when he becomes Shazam that's when the laughs come and boy are there laughs there are a lot of laughs where I laughed out loud and I don't tend to do that uh, very often uh-huh. Then there's the last kind of third of the film where then it turns into your normal kind of superhero movie where he goes into battle against Mark Strong. And it's very, very similar and kind of very kind of uh, reminiscent of what we've seen before. And I think that's a bit of a shame, but it's still kind of funny. There's a weird sequence, though. It's a very odd sequence. Now, this is a 12s company film. I know people say, look, Mark, you're very, very, uh, you know, sensitive when it comes to violence. Uh, the director is uh, a guy. Well, with for 12s only, you do have to be, I think, a bit sensitive. 
Well, yeah, but they have it in the past because, of course, you know, two of the most complained about movies over the last few years was Jurassic World and the Spectre, the Bond movie. And, of course, parents brought their kids Ch- along. And, of course, uh, the kids a were terrible. Movie. There's yeah. a sequence in this. Now, the, the film is directed by David F. Sandberg, who uh, comes from a horror background. He made Lights Out and he made Annabelle Creation. And he, uh, it, there's this scene where uh, Mark Strong decides to go into this building and basically kill everybody in the building along with... He has these kind of... Um, uh, these monsters with him who are all represent uh, the seven deadly sins and they just attack these people and it's an extraordinarily violent uh, sequence even my teenager who you know his her favorite film is Deadpool even she went whoa and I did too and I was quite it's quite shocking so beware of that if you are bringing under 12s to it uh, and remember 12 means under 12s shouldn't see the film but if you think they're mature enough then that's fine but it could be quite shocking to okay, uh, be aware of that but okay. even I went whoa but the, in the main you know as I say it is Superman meets big, big, big it is very very funny at times it sounds like they didn't need to have that in the movie I don't think they did but that's always my case that's always been my argument why the film itself would have been hugely successful without that scene it would have been a lovely family movie where people can bring you know the kids because in fact the the last third when they go into battle the violence is actually really restrained and in fact it's very comedic and it's very kind of almost cartoon like and that's perfectly fine whereas that sequence isn't and it is quite shocking so be aware of that if you are bringing younger kids in the main look I laughed a lot and it's very very enjoyable uh, all the performances are great and uh, and I would recommend and it but just shiz- be aware not for very young kids Mark it out of 10 I'll uh, give it 8 8 out of 10 ok and then on DVD Creed 2 so this is a follow on yeah, uh, to the first uh, Creed movie, which is basically kind of the, the modern Rocky Oh, the Rocky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Sylvester so yeah. Stallone's in this playing Rocky. And um, in the first film, Michael B. Jordan, um, his father was um, killed. But do you, do you remember, you, have you seen any of the original Rocky films? I remember the Rocky movies, yeah. 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 Well, I know yeah. I've seen them all. I don't really remember two or three, but I remember four. And the reason why I remembered four is Dolph Lundgren was in that one. He played the Russian. He played oh, yeah. uh, Ivan yeah. Drago. He played. He said that, um, you know, very famous line, I uh, will break you. That's. You know, and of course, previously what uh, Drago had done was he had killed Apollo Creed and then, of course, um, is avenged in the ring by um, Sylvester Stallone as Rocky. So in the first film, we meet Michael B. Jordan, who plays the character Adonis Johnson. He is the son of Apollo Creed and he is now world champion. It comes to the attention of Ivan Drago, whose son, Victor, has become this very, very big, big boy and is now one of the leading contenders to be uh, world champion. So what... um, Michael B. Jordan wants to do. He wants to avenge his father uh, by um, fighting um, Victor. Um, but he goes to so he goes to Rocky and he says, "Look, I want to, I want this fight." And Rocky says, "You're not you're not ready." And anyway, I don't want to get involved in this. This is all history. This is nasty history. I want nothing more to do with it. Don't get in the ring with this guy. So he does. So he goes off and finds his own uh, yeah. kind of training uh, crew to to help him prepare for the fight. So I won't tell you what happens from then on. But okay. I can tell you what happens from then on is exactly what you would expect. I mean, it is very, very cliched. I mean, it's written by Sylvester Stallone, who, you know, has written a lot of the Rocky movies in the past. And, I, you know, from that moment on, I knew exactly how the film was going yeah. to go. Uh, but the thing is, you end up enjoying it because it is very professional. It's very well directed. It's very well performed. And there are people love this style of movie, love these boxing movies. Well, and the thing about boxing, loads of rippling biceps and things. And and a, yeah. And the fight scenes are very, very explicit yeah. these days compared to, you know, the well, old Compared days. to Rocky. Com- com- well, even compared to Rocky, exactly, yeah. yeah. I mean, and they're very well done, of course. The, you know, the, the actors are all very, very fit and they're trained very, very well. And so, therefore, the, the, the you know, the boxing sequences are very, very uh, exciting. And, of course, it's it's man against man or woman against woman in, uh, in other cases. And so, therefore, it kind of brings it down to that kind of primeval level mm. so that when there's a victor, 
you know, it does give you this kind of rush. And, and that's what happens here. And you find yourself falling, even though you're constantly reminding yourself that it's very cliched, you're constantly reminding that you're being manipulated. Yeah, you, and, you, and they, and they the are problem. only acting. They are only acting. It's uh, not like a real boxing match. But well, you exactly. don't. You, you, you don't think that in the middle of the movies. Not at all. And you, you, you do find yourself getting involved because you care about the characters. You know what I yeah. mean? And Sylvester Stallone nowadays, he's got this very different kind of character. He's very kind of gentle. He's very kind of sweet. He's playing the kind of... He's Burgess, lovely. He's playing the kind of... Burgess Meredith role that uh, yeah. was in the original films here and he's good you know I think he was nominated for Creed and uh, I think he won a Golden Globe for it and he's very very good Michael B. Jordan is great on screen I'll tell you who else is in the film there was is Bridget Nielsen who used to be married to yeah, Sylvester Stallone they were married for yeah. a couple of years and didn't, yeah. didn't end well yeah. so I'm just wondering what you know what the set how was like how did they get on exactly yeah. yeah so look you know it's a boxing movie and it's very well done and uh, you enjoyed seen, it we've seen it all before you end up you have, but you know to, you end up whether you like it or not you're going to end up enjoying it ok Mark Creed's 2 out of 10 I'll give that one 7 7 out of 10 ok thank you for that Mark have a lovely week and we'll talk to you next uh, Friday um, or, or will we no good Friday we won't Talk to you after Easter. Okay, thank you for that. Mark Larry Poppins is coming in soon. Oh, I know, I know. I can't wait for it. It's our movie reviewer. This is the Court Today replay on C103. Now, Nick joining us at one o'clock is certainly going to be turning up the feel good factor. There's uh, some of the great hits he's going to be playing after one. That and more with Nick after one on our Feel Good Friday kicks off from one o'clock. That's where I leave you for today. My thanks to John Paul McNamara for producing. Nick, as I said, is with you for the afternoon for Feel Good Friday and he'll hand it over to Martina at four o'clock and we will be back with you on Monday morning at uh, 10 o'clock. Until then, I'm Patricia Messenger reminding you you can contact us across the weekend on our email. You can email patricia at c103.ie. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.